welcome to part two of host Gary Dagenpat's conversation on leadership and performance, the pursuit of excellence. On that day, you're going to face, obviously, the, the two great Americans and, and Larry and Carl. And, you know, you had already dreamt and envisioned that you were going to break the world record the night before. When you arrived out to the stadium, out to the event, how, how did you feel? Oh, I felt awesome. The thing is, I knew I was going to break the record. I was talking about a couple of years before, but going to the meet, my confidence level was so high, man. I was there. I was like, I was like, I have to break the world record. That's the only way that I can win. That's what my that- mindset was because that's what Carl, Carl just broke the world record in 100 meters. And he was talking about breaking the world record. So it was on. And I was like, and I was at the point where I had been beaten by him so many times. And the last time he beat me, beat by one centimeter. And I was like, that's it, dude. I'm not losing you no more. It's it. I'm not the young, I'm not the young kid anymore, man. I'm about to whoop your ass. <laughs> oh, so, and that's what happened. So, so you went into that like we bought. I'm not like it. Don't have to be like, oh, you don't feel good today. Like I don't care what you bring. I'm beating you today. And he jumped the furthest jump in history. I but know. it still wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. But here's the thing, though, Mike, is that I think sometimes people, again, whether they're athletes or you know the rest of us ordinary Joes, you know, when we hear somebody saying, I'm going to do this. This is what's going to happen. Some of us say, yeah, well, I can say the same thing, but they neglect all of the time, the preparation that has been put in in to allow that person to confidently say, hey, this is what's going to happen. Yeah. That's what confidence comes from hard work. Yeah. Confidence comes from hard work. You put the work. I mean, if you don't put the hard work in, man, then you're stuck, you're shaky, then you're not confident. Yeah. Now, at 91, I was confident. My training, everything I did pointed towards breaking the world record. I had filed past the world record, you know, a, a couple of times before already. I was ready. I was ready to break the record. I knew I was capable of breaking the record. I knew that without Carl. But the thing is, I got to the point where I was like, this is my moment, guys. This is it. Now, what, and I just was what? so locked in. I've never been that I've never been that locked in before before then or since then. You know, it's funny though, Mike. It's it's that Carl Lewis was the dominant track athlete of that time. And he was already of the century. Being, I was gonna say <laughs> he was already being heralded maybe as the greatest ever track in uh, track athlete. And so yeah. did that was there was there additional pressure? For you, when you're saying, even though I've worked hard, Mike, and even though I've gotten prepared and I'm ready and I'm confident, I'm still taking on the greatest track athlete and and, and maybe even really the greatest uh, long jumper of all time. Was there additional pressure for you? And if there was, how did you handle it? I thought I was better than him. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, man, I one thing I have confidence in is my hops. I got more hops than you, Carl, and I'm a more I'm more fiery. I was more afraid of Larry than Carl, because Larry was more physical. Yeah. He was more physical. He was like he was, and he's running the runway. It's like, oh my god, what's he gonna do? Right. But and I felt like, and if, and really seriously, physically, I felt like you know, because coming up in West Covina, man, West Covina, La Puente, that whole area over there, yeah. 
you know, yeah. we playing with some knuckleheads, you know, we playing yeah. with some yeah. bangers and stuff a lot yeah. of times. So, yeah. you know, you have to, you have to play rough. You, right. you have to have right. a lot of that street element involved with it. Right. And so to me, honestly, I used to look at Carl like, man, I will kick your butt so many different ways. It's, I can't respect you because I know I'll whoop your ass. But even Period. after you, even after you went eight, nine, five, and you broke the, the world record, Carl still had two jumps remaining, right? Oh, yeah. And so at that point, was there any nervousness that you had saying, hey, this guy? Oh, it wasn't nervousness. I saw it for sure. I thought, okay, now Carl's going to come jump 29.6, 29.7, and then I got to go 29.10, and then I hope he doesn't going to go 30. That's how it's going to go down. Because that's what Carl does when he gets behind. Yeah. And then he jumped, and it was only 29-1. And then that moment, i that's the first time I thought, I might win. That's the first time I thought I might win. Yeah. I said, yeah. I might win. I might win because I'm so I'm waiting for him to boom. And right. he did, and I'm like, yeah. because I, I, and the thing is, I looked at Carl on the runway, and I was like, oh, he shook. He shook. I got him. He shook. I said, hey, I put my Mike. head down because I didn't want to, like, I wasn't trying to, like, trying to, like, I'm not talking mess. Mr. Carl Lewis, please don't break my record. But you shook, though. I see it. You know what, it wasn't, Mike? It wasn't, the same, it wasn't the same air of confidence on his face. He was looking around. He matter of fact, he was looking at me to see if I was going to be doing something. I was standing here like this on my head down. <laughs> you know what, Mike? When he, when, when that 895 posted, wasn't when aided, and they flashed the camera to Carl. That's the first time I ever saw him without this bravado, without right. this look. I mean, it really right. was it's the only time I've ever seen him that way. Oh, I guess really? in, right. I, I guess in the, that's yeah. the first time I saw it because I've seen the opposite so many times. I'm right. like, damn, there's that look again. And I was waiting to see it. And I was like, oh, he looks, he looks uncertain. This is not a gimme. He looks uncertain. And I'm like, oh, that's all I can ask. Yeah. I got him shook. I got him thinking. Yeah. And so, you know, so it, it got him, it got him enough because actually, when he did that fifth jump, it was 29-1 and a quarter. Yeah. He actually his feet hit about 30 something and his butt dropped down to 29. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh gosh. He, right. The thing is, Carl hadn't jumped as very much, so his yeah. stuff was not real clean. Right. So he was trying. Right. He was trying to do a little more. He was used to. Right. If he had been jumping more, he would have been. Boom! He'd have caught that. He would jump thirty. Right. So, whew, I lucked up. <laughs> when, when, Mike, once you realize that not only had you won, but you now held the world record that again had been held for you know twenty plus years. Right. That right. run that you did when you kind of went a little nuts and you were running towards the fans and all that, was that what you had envisioned, you know, the night before when you talked about it, you even knew how you were going to celebrate? Yeah. Yep. Yep. I, I've been doing that celebration since about like sixth grade uh-huh. in my living room in front of my mom. I just stand there and I envision, I'd be like, Mike Powell's in the Olympics. He has to come back with his last jump to win the gold medal. And I did that in my living room. I don't know, me have a thousand times. And then after that, and then the night before the competition, and then it happened. So that's why the visualization happened, because when the moment happened, guess what? I already did it about five, ten thousand times, guys. 
Why is it going to be different right now? Because every time I did before it was a successful attempt. Let me just go do it again. Mike, after you did that, such a huge accomplishment, so huge. And even now when I think about it, I mean, the headlines everywhere, because again, nobody thought that record was ever going to be broken. That's right. Yeah. How, yeah. how did you reset your mind? Because the following years, you still had success. You still won championships. Matter of fact, you went 899. I know it was win aided, but you went 899, right. I think a year right. or two later. And you right. still you still were winning. But how did you, you know, a lot of times when people, you know, get atop the summit, their motivation to continue to work and compete and so forth kind of wanes. How did you keep it? Well, my 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 motivation was higher because I got confidence. Because I during that year I figured out some stuff about what my approach and how to jump that far. So basically, what I did, I figured out how to jump twenty nine. So my first meet, I came, my training, I was like insane, and my confidence was so high, and I was so I was so fired up. I my first meet, I talked about jumping thirty feet. And I ended up jumping 29, two and a half. I only jumped 29 foot on U.S. soil ever. And I was upset that I didn't jump 29, six at least. I was mad. And people were like, whoa, this guy is crazy. I said, man, I'm telling you, my training says 30. And then I got hurt at that meet because where I jumped a jump that was 30 feet, that was a foul. And they didn't dig up the sand out there. And I got compressed vertebrae for L4 and L5. And that started a, a series of injuries I had for the rest of my career. So even when I jumped at 899 later that summer, when I jumped 29, six, I had a hurt hamstring. So, you know, one of the things that strikes me as we talk about this is that how important it was for coaches, mentors, whether it was Willie Banks or Edwin Moses, Jackie Joyner-Kersey, that building confidence and really creating this sense of, uh, you know, self-worth to you was critical for your perform your improvement and your eventual performances. Is that how you still see things? Yeah. I mean, the thing is negative self-talk has been the destroyer of so many dreams. People destroying their own dreams, their own lives because of negative self-talk about things that they think they can do, but they tell themselves they can't do it, or they beat themselves up, or they're always negatives, or they they just put themselves in the bad situation. But if you flip that around and make it a positive thing, that is the difference. Then it's like positive and positive and positive, and everything builds up and builds up and builds up. So I just feel like I'm just an walking example of that, you know, just positivity and like my what I think about when I think about what I did. Not only as, you know, breaking the world record, but throughout my career, it's just somebody who just tried to get the best out of themselves who believed and just went for it. 